0: Welcome to Understand Murdoch, a podcast from The Post and Courier, South Carolina's largest newspaper. Our award-winning reporters have spent more than a year digging into the Murdoch saga to bring you the latest news and in-depth analysis as we cover the story of drugs, deceit, and death in South Carolina's rural low country. And now we're here to provide quick daily updates on Alec Murdoch's highly anticipated double murder trial in Colleton County. I'm your usual introduction and outro guy, Nathan, but today I'm helping host. I'm here with Jocelyn Grishik, who's part of our team of reporters covering the trial in Walterboro. Jocelyn, it seemed to get a bit confusing inside the courtroom today. Can you explain what went down?
1: Yeah, it was a long day. Jurors heard from two more law enforcement witnesses, but most of today became what felt like a trial within a trial. What do you mean? Judge Clifton Newman held a hearing that lasted off and on throughout the day without jurors present regarding the admissibility of certain evidence.
0: Okay, we'll get to that in a second, but first, can you break down the testimony from those law enforcement witnesses?
1: Sure. So jurors heard from Dylan Hightower, who is an investigator in the 14th Circuit Solicitor's Office, which has legal jurisdiction over several counties, including Colleton and Hampton. He performed an extraction of Ellick's phone three days after the murders, and he got a bunch of data from this, including Alex's call logs. Hightower testified he then compared data from the extraction to more detailed data he got from Verizon, which is Alex's phone provider. And Hightower saw there were 73 calls between May 30th and June 7th, 2021, which was the date of the murders, that showed up in the Verizon records but were missing from his actual device.
0: And we heard a bit about this yesterday, Right.
1: Yeah, the SLED agent who also analyzed Alex's phone noted there seemed to be a gap in his call history.
0: Okay, so did either SLED, the SLED agent, or Hightower make any conclusions about this?
1: Only that it appeared someone had deleted a bunch of call logs from Alex's phone, but neither of them could say for certain what exactly happened or who may have manipulated the phone.
0: And what about any other law enforcement witnesses?
1: Yeah, so jurors also heard today from SLED agent Katie McAllister, and she searched the Murdoch's main house at Moselle the day after the murders. Agent McAllister testified she went around to every room inside the house searching for anything that might be significant to their investigation, but she didn't find anything. And Agent McAllister also noted Alec's brother John Marvin and Lee Cope, who was one of Alec's partners at the law firm, went around with her as she searched. And defense attorneys asked Agent McAllister specifically about the bathtubs, showers, and sinks she examined, because presumably someone might have used them to wash off blood if they'd just been near a shooting. But Agent McAllister testified she didn't see any signs of blood in any sink or in any bathroom in the house. But she did say she only eyeballed them. And she doesn't know if they were ever swabbed for more in-depth testing.
0: Okay, so we're moving on to this evidentiary issue. Can you tell us about that and why it took up most of the day?
1: Yeah, so before jurors even came inside the courtroom this morning, Judge Newman brought up something called Rule 404, which governs so-called character evidence in a court case. So generally, evidence of other alleged crimes a defendant has been charged with are not admissible to prove their character. It could possibly turn a jury against the defendant, and they're on trial only for the specific set of crimes at hand. But Rule 404 does provide exceptions if this evidence proves motive in the crime on trial.
0: So how exactly does this relate to the double homicide charges?
1: Well, since the slayings, state prosecutors have brought nearly 100 other charges against Alec. And they're mostly connected to allegations he stole nearly $9 million from legal settlements and fees he owed to his clients, law partners, and others who trusted him. And in the double homicide case, prosecutors have argued Ellick killed Maggie and Paul in a desperate attempt to sort of create sympathy for himself and distract from questions about his bank records that were about to expose the financial crimes. And prosecutors are hoping to introduce evidence about these alleged financial crimes as well as the precarious state of his finances at the time of the murders to show jurors just how much pressure he was under and what might have led him to commit such an unthinkable crime
0: so why can't they bring this evidence in front of a jury
1: because under rule 404 this evidence isn't automatically admissible Prosecutors essentially must bring it in front of the judge in advance, and he ultimately gets to decide whether to grant an exception and let it in.
0: And I'm guessing Alex's lawyers don't want that to happen.
1: Yeah, that's right. His defense attorney's basic argument is that all this stuff about Alex alleged thefts and fraud just aren't relevant to the homicide case. And they say the state's theory about his finances being the primary motive for the murders is ludicrous and far-fetched. They maintain it's only a theory and not facts.
0: So what happened today?
1: Well, both sides essentially reiterated their arguments, and then the state began calling up witnesses who they want to testify to their theory about Alex' motive being tied to the alleged financial crimes.
0: But all of this happened without the presence of jurors, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. So Judge Newman dismissed them for all of this testimony, and we had some of it in the morning, and then he sent jurors home early for the day so he could continue hearing more of this testimony. And Judge Newman also asked them to come back late tomorrow morning, so that means we'll likely hear even more of this testimony earlier tomorrow.
0: Has he decided whether this evidence will be admissible at all?
1: Not entirely. The judge said at the end of today, he wants to hear from a few more of these potential witnesses before making his final ruling, and one of them won't be available until Monday, so we don't expect any decision until at least then.
0: So what could this mean ultimately for the double homicide trial?
1: Well, I think prosecutors certainly have several more witnesses they need to get through and evidence they want to introduce to jurors that has nothing to do with what they think Alec's motive was. So we'll still be hearing from them. But if Judge Newman rules in favor of defense attorneys with regard to Rule 404 and doesn't allow for any of this stuff to be entered as evidence, it will certainly be a huge blow to the state's case.
0: Jocelyn, thank you so much for updating us. Thank you. That's all we have for now. For more in-depth coverage of this trial, as well as the latest news on the Murdoch story at large, stay tuned to postandcourier.com slash Murdoch. You can find us on Twitter at Post and Courier. We would love if you could send questions, feedback, and tips to our Murdoch email address. That's Murdoch at PostandCourier.com. And please, also take a minute to leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to keep up to date on the trial, subscribe to Murdoch News, a premium newsletter from The Post and Courier, bringing you exclusive first-hand insight from local South Carolina reporters who have covered this saga from the beginning. Subscribe at postandcourier.com slash Murdoch News, and we'll bring you exclusive reporting on the civil and criminal cases of Alec Murdoch. We'll see you next time.